Well, we've already had church, y'all. I mean, my goodness. Do y'all really want to hear me preach? Because I... Oh, cool. Thanks. I was trying to feed my ego. Hey, um, turn to Luke chapter 10 real quick. We've just got a couple minutes. I do want to get you out in time for tonight. Tonight we do have our night of worship. Um, it's, man, if you'd like this morning, this is going to be more of it. And uh, we've got communion that we'll be taking together, uh, sharing a few stories of what God's done over the last 21 days. Um, if you don't know, my name is Brandon. This is Meredith. Uh, we are uh, pastors here in this church, and we are just a bunch of real people pursuing a real Jesus. Amen? And, um, and we are doing our best to make sure other people encounter him as well. And so our vision is for you to see Jesus, and we hope that you see that not just in our worship and not just in a word, but through the way we love you and the way we serve you and the hospitality and, uh, and that you just are welcomed. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, what a good day. Uh, Luke chapter 10, we are closing out our Be Still series. We've been here for a few weeks. Uh, we've been in 21 days of prayer. If, you, if you're new today, then you would know that, but we have been praying together intentionally and purposefully over the last 21 days. We do that every year to begin the year to kind of really settle in our hearts. We, we've, and the theme this year, whereas typically when you walk into a January, you can kind of be like, okay, what do I got to do now? How many of you guys set goals and day one you had to have them ready to go, right? Um, we wanted to take 21 days and just to be still. To really take the time and take a moment to let God speak, to let God establish, and to let God build some momentum in our own hearts. I find that many times we get done with a year, and then we try to start the next one just cranking, and we're just still trying to recover from the last one. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and so it takes some time. And I believe that the Lord really does want us to be still, and not just in a once-a-year January-type moment, but really throughout our days and throughout our weeks and throughout our year, that we would take time to be still so that he can speak. In fact, Psalm 4610, Exodus 14, we talked about a few different chapters, a few different places where God speaks to his people and says, be still. But the following of that phrase is also a, okay, now let's get moving. God doesn't want you to be still so that you can make no progress. God wants you to be still to make more progress. He wants to make sure that you're moving in the right direction with the right heart. And uh, if you try to go after something with an empty heart or you try to go after something kind of half full, it, it tends to uh, just kind of peter out a little bit, right? And so the, the desire as we did this 21 days is to be still. And, and, and the, the, the kind of the, 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 the phrase I heard this morning as I was driving here praying about what we we're going to do today was that, that God was going to set some things in motion, for many of you, you've been still these last 21 days, and I believe that God wants to, tonight uh, as well, you know, I, I find momentum comes when I put some moments together, and so we're giving you two one day, right? We're giving you two moments for you to really make sure, and some of you may want to try to disqualify yourself because you've already messed up this year, and uh, as though God is afraid of your failure. Um, it, it, actually, the truth is he died for your failure. He died for your sins. He died for your messed ups. He died for all that stuff. The whole purpose of him coming was not that you be perfect so you can achieve the cross. It's, it's so that you don't have to and uh, that his grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Man, wasn't it good having Donnie and Ruthie up here leading worship? Wasn't that fantastic? And really our whole team, man, our whole team was fantastic this morning. I got uh, Jessica back there on words, Nigel running the sound. Uh, what a good group of people we got around this place. I love it. I love it. I love this place. I really, really do. It's an honor to be able to get up in front of you every week. Um, all right, Luke chapter 10. Okay, we're going to read a few verses, uh, and then we're going to uh, kind of be still for a moment, and then we're going to head out for the day, grab a bite to eat, maybe invite some friends along. Verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, 
they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. That sounds a weird phrasing there, but they were friends. They knew, that, they knew who Jesus was. They, they were excited about it. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, I love this. I mean, I got two boys. That, you know, Gray can't tattletale yet. Well, actually, no, he's starting to be much better at that. Much, much better. <laughs> and so the sister comes in. Mary comes in and says, hey, Lord, uh, doesn't it seem unfair to you? that my, I, it's, it's, I love that, asking the question, almost like I know the answer, but I want to set it up for you. Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And Jesus says to her, my dear Martha, my dear, dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today as we talk about what it is to pursue the one thing, the one thing, the only thing that truly deserves our attention. And God, I pray that today that we would be able to set down some details. We'd be able to set down some distractions and allow ourselves to sit at your feet, to hear your voice, and to walk with your strength and your purpose and your identity and your vision and your power and your life in us. In Jesus' name, amen. How many, how many of you guys are detailed people? How many of you have a checklist every day? How many of you guys get really upset when the details get changed? How many of you have ever hosted a party? Wow, we, hey, you, I'm one point. You are losing points right now. Um, no, it's true. But I, but I, uh, sorry, I can see everybody. Y'all can't. You don't even know who I'm talking to. Okay. But I, um, I man, you ever thrown a party or like hosted some people? And in, in your effort to make sure that everything is going according to the plan, you get to the end of the evening and realize you didn't hang out with any of the people you invited into your house? Anybody know that feeling? My wife is nodding her head because she is that person. And there's something really great about that. In fact, this story is not condemning uh, Martha for wanting to host well or wanting to create a great atmosphere. There's nothing about this that is wrong. There's no, man, Martha, you really screwed up. That's not what this story is about. So don't get upset when people are trying to be excellent in what they do and create a great atmosphere. You know, even like coming into church, we try to make sure that this feels like home. We feel like one of the greatest ways to show people who Jesus is is through our hospitality. Hospitality. And, and so it don't, it's, not, it's not that kind of a story. But sometimes in our effort to do good, right, we forget to just be with Jesus. We, we get really concerned about the WWJD bracelet. We get really concerned about what Jesus would do rather than just simply being with Jesus, and, and I find that many, for many of us, especially those of us who would say we're Christians, we believe in Christ, we believe in Jesus, we believe in what he did, for many of us, we can get real busy doing things, get really busy with the details, and forget that the primary desire of God was that you would know him, that, that in, in very church speak, that the veil would be torn in two, and that you would have access into a relationship with God. And that is the first and primary thing because everything else is a product of your relationship. Everything else is a product of his presence. 
Everything else is a product. See, we try to work on the product of something rather than the seed that produces it. So that's why in Galatians 5, Paul says, the works of the flesh cause this. But the produce of the Holy Spirit is this. In other words, one is built upon your actions and your striving and your wanting and your working, and the other is based on the Holy Spirit's. And too often we find ourselves, like Martha, getting frustrated because we see other people just being with him. We get frustrated that other people are joyful and we're going, well, why aren't they helping? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they helping with this? And so Mary and Martha, they're putting together a party. Jesus is on his way. They're trying to host well. They're trying to show some hospitality. I think it's fantastic. I think we should do that more. I think, for many of us, the greatest thing we could do right now is not necessarily come up with a great theological argument to help win people to Jesus. It's simply to open up our table, put some plates down, put some food on it, and say, hey, you want to come and have a meal? It's the greatest evangelism tool that Jesus ever used. I don't know if you know this, but the Sermon on the Mount wasn't necessarily a a sermon to non-believers. It was a sermon to those who had already decided to come to the mountain and listen to him speak. The, one, the places where he met the most sinners was at the table of someone else's house, and he would bring the disciples along and bring the sinners along and go, hey, why don't you all hang out? Let's have a meal together. There's something about that. That's why I love that dinner parties and dinner parties, if you want, listen, even if you're kind of interested, maybe sort of, in hosting a dinner party, man, come hang out with John and Kristen after service today uh, because those launch in just a couple weeks. I'm really excited about our dinner parties. It's been incredible. The last time we had dinner parties, we had 80 people on a Wednesday night around the table and, uh, and just hanging. How many of you know God can move through relationship? Amen? And so this is, this is kind of what's happening. Mary and Martha are getting excited about Jesus coming. They're excited about him being here. And Martha gets upset. Martha gets upset because Mary, once Jesus shows up, Mary shuts down what she's doing and goes and sits at Jesus' feet. This isn't one of these, you know, this is not where we, they know what Jesus has been up to. They don't know what he's been doing. They have no Instagram stories to follow. They got no Facebook updates. They got none of that. They don't have a, a news update or any kind of thing to look at to know. This is, this is their one time to see Jesus. This isn't necessarily he's coming over every other day. This is like a special moment. And so they're getting ready for Jesus, and Jesus shows up, and Mary gets really, or sorry, Martha gets really upset. Because Mary takes that moment to spend it with God, takes that moment to spend it with Jesus. And so Martha comes to Jesus and says, hey, isn't this unfair? Can you believe she's not doing all the things? Can you believe she's not checking off all the boxes? Can you believe her to-do list is unfinished? Can you believe it that all the details aren't still weighing her down? And Jesus, not in a condemning way, says, dear Martha. In fact, in one translation, it says, Martha, Martha. And it reminded me of a video that's gained some popularity. And it's one of Meredith's favorite videos. In fact, you will hear Meredith at least once a week say, Linda, Linda. (laughs) So I just felt like in honor of her birthday and in honor of, well, listen, Jesus said it. Martha, Martha, I figured you should be able to enjoy. If you've never seen it, shame on you. Um, but we have a lot of grace. This is a guilt-free, but no, I'm joking. So, but I, I want you to, I just want you to check this out. This, this young man, this little boy, saying maybe the way Jesus would have said it. Like, listen to me, listen to me. Like, like, I do this all the time. And if I go out at the, at the house or something, Matthew has his toys. And then Matthew has all his toys. Okay. 
But I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, they can't trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that. Okay, now that's like a five-minute video. We're not going to watch it all, but. You're going to break it. Linda, Linda, Linda. Yo. About to get thrown out the house, man. Like, you're not listening to me. Oh, you. You're about to feel me. Okay. Mark. Did I just lose it? There we go. Having some trouble. Martha, Martha. So Jesus is not trying to be upset. He's not getting you know, mad at Martha. He's not putting some difficult things. He's, he's just saying, hey, just, have you ever had to say someone's name a couple times? How many spouses are, don't look at your spouse. Hey, babe, babe, mayor, mayor. Uh, you know, you, you're just trying to get her to calm down. And he says to her, hey, you're busy with all these things. You've got all these distractions. You've got all these details that you're worried about. And Mary has chosen to sit down with me. Jesus is not saying, I don't appreciate the things you've done. I'm mad about the things you've done. He's simply saying, you are more important to me than the things you can do for me. He's simply saying, hey, I I just want you to sit with me. I appreciate that you still got to make another salad because everybody ate it all fast or because they're on a fast. They're doing Daniel fast. They can only eat salad. I appreciate all those things. I appreciate everything that you're doing. But when I'm here, what I really want more than anything else is for you to sit for you to just take a moment and for you to be with me. That's what I want you to do. And this is the, it's pretty presumptuous, I think, actually, of Jesus. To look back at Martha and say, this is the only thing that matters. When Martha has been spending all this time getting ready for Jesus to show up. You ever had someone go, no, just stop doing that. It doesn't matter. You just want to look at them. Are you kidding me? I've worked all day to get to this point to do more things. And Jesus is going, no, 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 you you have gotten lost in the things you're doing. Sometimes busyness is more about our own ego than it is actually about what we're accomplishing. Sometimes busyness is just the the feeling of trying to be validated in doing things because it somehow is a measurable thing. It's hard to measure our character. It's hard to measure where we're at. It's hard to, in fact, sometimes we don't want to measure where we're at because if we measured where we're at, we would not like where we're at. But Jesus is not concerned about that because he's bigger than all of that. He knows that there's things left undone, and he wants to sit with you and work it through. And he believes if you would spend that moment with him, then you could work through those details later with a healthier heart, with a bigger heart for what he wants to do. And so Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're getting really distracted by all of these details. I wonder if you and I have allowed uh, some of the details in our lives to become distractions. How many of us have allowed the details that we have to mark off, the things we have to get done, good details, not even bad details. I'm not even talking about all the things you messed up at. I'm talking about just the good things you got to get done. And we've allowed those details to be the thing that distract us from knowing the one who will sort them out for us. Now, this is not a message that says you don't have to do anything. This is a message that don't allow the doing to become more important than being who God's called you to become. 
There is such a reverse. The doing matters. It does matter. Jesus wants you to be still with him so that when it's time to go do something, you're doing the things that matter. It's important for us. In fact, what Jesus says is that there is, there is only one thing that truly matters. There's only one thing that you need to be doing right now. In fact, in Matthew 6, we've all heard this verse by chance, possibly. This verse, it sounds similar to what Jesus is trying to get across to Martha. And he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. All these things will be added unto you. Now, the critical part of this verse is what precedes it. Matthew 6, the whole purpose of this verse in Matthew 6, the whole chapter, sorry, is all about worry. If you go back and read it today, if you read, he's in, he's in his, one of his biggest sermons, one of the most important sermons, and he said, he, he's talking about don't worry about this, don't worry about that, don't get concerned about that, because if you would seek me first, all these things shall be added unto you. So here's Martha. Shall I use a different mic? Should I just yell? Okay. Thank you, man. Thank you, Bradley. It's awesome. Are you sure you can lift it? I don't think you have any muscles or anything. Okay. Thank you, man. And uh, uh, so here's Martha, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, you need to focus on the one thing. And for many of us, we're worried about the details. We're worried about all the things that have to get done. God wants you to hear this, y'all. Is that? God wants you to worry about the one thing. What would happen in your year? What would happen in your life, truly, honestly? What would happen in your life if you actually focused primarily and solely on who Jesus is and on his kingdom on the earth? In fact, in fact, the way Jesus teaches us how to pray is what? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's as much a supplication as it is as a declaration. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He teaches us to pray the very first thing. He does not put daily bread first. He puts his kingdom first. Why? Because he believes if you will seek his kingdom, your daily bread will come. There is a purpose to why he has ordered prayer the way he ordered prayer. There is a reason he did it the way he did it. It's so that worry would not be the thing that drives your decisions. It is so that the power and purpose of his presence would be the thing that drives your decisions. So that you know he is your father. That you know he is hallowed. He is great. He is holy. And that you know that your primary purpose in life is to bring the kingdom wherever you go in the people you meet and the places you go on every street and in every heart to see Jesus there and if we could make that our priority if we could make that our purpose then our life becomes much more simple now it is not about what we achieve or what we accomplish it is now about his purpose on the earth and so wherever I go it has been simplified wherever I go I am standing strong wherever I go I'm walking with grace and purpose and strength wherever I go the priority and the top of mind is that Jesus is going with me it's similar to something maybe some of you have heard of this the power of habit it's a book that became a bestseller in the last couple years. And in that book, he talks about this idea that there is a keystone habit. I had the dominoes out the other day with my sons, and I showed them how you can stack them, and you can knock one, and it knocks out all the other ones. And too many times, what we try to do is build 27 new habits. The theory is, and the one that has been proven true, is that if you would just pick one habit or two keystone habits that they will drive the rest of the habits. It will be like a domino knocking down the rest of the dominoes. 
So what you need to do is not go down here and try to figure out all the dominoes. You need to go up here and figure out the keystone, the one that once you hit it, it's going to begin to knock down all the others. Jesus is saying, I know what that is. It's that you would seek me. I know what that is. It's that you would put down your distractions and you would sit with me. In fact, there's another book that came out last year, the year before, called Essentialism. And seen it for a while. Mayor just bought it for me. So I wanted to read this quote to you, and it's too long to remember, so we're going to put it on the screen uh, because there's no chance I would remember. The way of the essentialist isn't about setting New Year's resolutions to say no more or about pruning your inbox or about mastering some new strategy and time management. Can you keep going to the next one? It is about pausing constantly to ask, am I investing in right activities? There are far, far more activities and opportunities in the world than we have time and resources to invest in. And although many of them may be good or even very good, the fact is that most are trivial and few are vital. The way of the essentialist involves learning to tell the difference, learning to filter through all those options and selecting only those that are truly essential. What if, what if this whole Be Still series was about setting some new habits, some keystone habits, about deciding what truly mattered, about not allowing yourselves to get caught up in the trivial things? It does not mean you get, don't get to enjoy things that maybe don't matter. They're just for fun. But it is about saying the things I'm going to build into my life are going to be the things that knock everything else out. And what Jesus wants us to do is to be still with him. What if, just what would happen? I want you to honestly answer this question. What would happen if your primary desire every single day was to set the keystone habit of being still with God, letting him speak, and then going about your day? What if the keystone habit was to seek first his kingdom? What if the thing you did first and foremost before anything else was to see Jesus? What would happen? What would honestly happen is there'd be a lot of different things. Your soul would be healthier. Your identity would be more secure. But there's practical things that would happen. You'd probably create a better routine in the morning. You'd probably go to bed with more gratitude. You'd probably realize that the to-do list is not a priority over who you are. There'd be a lot of things that would begin to happen if you were to set the right keystone habit. If you were to simply say, I'm going to seek him first. And Jesus is looking at you, Linda, Linda, Martha, Martha, Bradley, Bradley, whatever. And he's looking at you and he's going, hey, I know. You got all these things to do. I get it. And I understand. I even understand that some of it's actually stuff you should do. But I'm here. And I want you to know me. I want you to know me. And the world does not need a church that's busy. As we pursue our 2020 vision of a few locations and raising up new leaders and raising up worship leaders and raising up uh, multiplying dinner parties and opening more tables to people and pursuing the call of man, the, Lord, the world does not need us to be busy in that. The world needs us to be fulfilled in that. The world needs us to be purposeful in that. The world needs us to be intentional in that. The world needs us to understand what we're actually about. So when the dinner party gets ruined because it's a little late and it's not as on time, we still know that our purpose in that moment is to show people who Jesus is. 
See, if it's about the details, then the details drive our attitude and our perspective. But if it's about Jesus, then no matter what happens to the details, I'm going to keep moving in purpose and with life and hope and joy in front of me. Amen? I want to take a moment, and I'll probably make this a bit more of a thing now, but I want to take a moment, and this may be different than what you're used to, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your life, not just me. And I want to just take a moment for you to be still. And we're going to let the music play. And I'm not going to take 12 minutes or anything. But I do want to take just a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to tell you what you should do with what you've heard. I want the Holy Spirit to tell you what, what should I put in place in my life. And for some of you, it's easy to ignore me. Some of you, it's a lot harder to ignore the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to let him do something. So I'm just going to take a second, not long, and then we're going to pray. And I want you really to ask the question, God, what do you want me to do with this? God, what I've heard just now, what I've experienced in worship, what, I, what do I do with this? What, how do I apply that into my life? How do I put it in my routine? How do I put it in my day? How can I build some things? What are you trying to speak to me? It might be simply that he just wants to speak your name and say, hey, stop. Just stop. For some of you, he wants to speak strategy and wisdom on what to do next. For some of you, he just wants you to know how much he desires to be with you. So just take a moment and honestly ask the question, God, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you've spoken to us.